Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex, and all praise the Great One. It's episode 417. I'm Keith. <laughs> I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. <laughs> How are you guys? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good. You guys have a good week? If, if you hear any weird audio glitches, listener, it's because we are listeners. Listener. We only have one now. <laughs> listeners. It's because we are actually Hi, uh, trying, <laughs> we're trying something new. Uh, we're actually recording from our own homes. So uh, hopefully if this works out, then uh, we'll be able to do much more with this, bringing more people uh, maybe into the podcast uh, for a little simpler session. So anyway, or, doing great. Potentially if one of us is with illness and can't go and expose the others, we can still have right, an right. episode out. We won't have a week off like we did a few weeks back. So Yeah. In theory. This is, this, this is not meant to replace the actual FaceTime that we get so rarely other than the week. Oh, know, no. I won't see you for together. like two or three months now, Sean. So. <laughs> I knew you were going to abuse this privilege if we gave it to you. <laughs> Did you guys do anything fun this week? Wow. No, not really. I don't think I even, well, you know, I did. I watched, um, oh, what's it called? I don't know. Somebody else go and I'll, I'll think about it here. All we did was finish the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And now we're sad. There's not more to watch. <laughs> it was so good. Really enjoyed it. I don't like how it, the season ended. I don't agree with what happened, but you know, Zach Levi shows up and he's as charming as ever. We actually had a, a fun outing uh, uh, today. We took uh, both granddaughters into Kansas City and went to Legoland and uh, had them running around and thoroughly exhausted them there and then went and saw Mary Poppins Returns. How was the how sequel? Is it? Practically perfect in some ways. <laughs> it's 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 a fun movie. It uh, Emily Blunt is is practically perfect. She really is an outstanding choice. Now, obviously, she's she's not Julie Andrews. I mean, that's a, just a given. Uh, nobody could be, but uh, she she's really good. And there are moments in the movie that it 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 just nails it. It is absolutely the perfect. This is exactly what I wanted, uh, and and one of those is right at you know when she first appears and she comes floating down out of the clouds with the the umbrella. I was near tears just because it's such an iconic image, and there it was again. Um, and it, it, you know that was fantastic. And then there are other moments where it just it feels almost like they were trying too hard to kind of beat for beat match the original film. And uh, I was like, well, we've already seen this. You know, you'll do something different. Give us something. Because when, when the film is original, it really works. It works, it works very well. Um, but then it seemed like they kind of kept straying back into familiar territory because they were too afraid to let it be something different, which I thought was mm -hmm. kind of a shame. But, uh, you know, it's worth seeing. It just, it's not, it's not the original. It can't be. I mean, Mary Poppins is part of the holy trinity of live action Disney stuff for me. So, yeah. And I would hope that people wouldn't go into it hoping that it was the original because, I mean, it's got to be its own thing and nothing will, you know, hold a candle to the original. Yeah. 
Do you, do you figure, figure out what you did? I did. I remembered. Uh, actually, I didn't remember. I had some help from the internet. <laughs> uh, there's a documentary on uh, Netflix. You guys have probably seen this. It's called The Bill Murray Stories, Life Lessons Learned from a Mythical Man. Mm, yes. Uh, mm. uh, a uh, documentary maker decides that he wants to look further into, you know, we've always, ho- we've all heard the stories, you know, uh, Bill Murray, and, and there's evidence online. Bill, Bill Murray shows up and he's in an engagement photo. Bill Murray shows up at a party, he's doing dishes. He, it sets it up and it, it kind of puts out all of these different, you know, things that people have purported to have seen Bill Murray at or doing. And so the document documentary filmmaker goes through and he talks to all these people that have had encounters with Bill Murray, just in, you know, out in society where the guy is just out and being himself. Uh, it's a terrific movie. It's really, really well done. Um, there's a little bit of a twist at the end and I can't, uh, divulge it because I think it ruins uh, the spirit of the film, but it's it's really good, really well put together, and it's on Netflix right now. And then after having watched that, um, they were talking about one of his films, Rock the Casbah, which I had not seen. And so fortunately, it's on Netflix as well. So I watched it. It doesn't get a favorable rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> but <laughs> for the most part, I enjoyed it. I think that... Um, it has some issues. Um, I think the director, and I can't remember the director's name, but he also directed Wag the Dog. It, it's not, it, it's kind of in that same style of, of, of Wag the Dog. Not not in story-wise, but just in tone and feel. But there are a few moments where they kind of feel like they're they're sleepwalking through scenes. And I think part of that is some of it's left up to improvisation, which I don't think necessarily works so well on a certain level on this film. But overall, I, I, I thought it was an enjoyable film. It's a good story. It's got Bruce Willis. I had no idea Bruce Willis was in it. Um, the, the, the story hinges around Bill Murray is a, uh, basically a, a small time record producer who's kind of put out a, you know, a, a bigger image of him as he is. He had Zoe Deschanel's in it. She, they end up going over to, I think it's uh, Afghanistan. And they're going to perform for the troops. Well, things go awry, and he ends up discovering a uh, uh, Afghani singer who wants to be on the first person on their version of American Idol. Uh, but it's, that's all I'll say about it because you really need to see it if you if you're interested because there's there's a lot of surprises in it as well along the way. Uh, Kate Hudson's in it as well, so Sounds so I liked fun. it. I don't think it's deserving of the uh, the. Uh, rottenness that it's getting on rotten tomatoes um but it certainly isn't his best film hmm. Hmm. i may have to add that to the eventual pile there you yeah, go there you go too well the nice thing is you know it's on netflix so it's always sitting there waiting for you until it's not <laughs> until sean's ready to go watch it and then it won't right be <laughs> exactly yeah exactly uh besides that uh spent some time with some family today so that was it nice we took jim into the zoo since it was so nice out yeah, God, it was gorgeous out. Yeah, it was 60s, 66 or something. So, don't get used yeah. to it. They're calling for ice and 14 degrees on Thursday. Well, yeah. that's if that's <laughs> if we get the precipitation, which they're saying isn't as likely now. So, fingers crossed. Let's hope not. But it will be cold again midweek. Yeah, well, it's already going to cool down tomorrow. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, should we move on to news? Let's. Oh, so some kind of sad news if you're still playing Doctor Who Legacy. Uh, Tiny Rebel Games have announced that the game will end or close in two weeks' time. Aww. Aww. They posted on their Facebook page that 
It is with a heavy heart we report that we are shutting down Doctor Who Legacy effective two weeks from now. Our agreement has ended with the BBC. We have chosen not to attempt another renewal. They go on to talk about how proud they are, of, uh, they are how proud they are of what they accomplished with their very first mobile game, and um, they recognize that there were some sore feelings about the transition to Doctor Who Infinity. So now, does that mean just Legacy is going away? Infinity is going to stick around? Or? Yeah, Infinity Infinity will still be here. So okay. Legacy is just gone. Um, the game will still be able to be played offline after it gets shut down if you have it installed, but you will not be able to download. And the app it will be removed from app stores eventually. Right. And right. as of today, all app purchasing will be turned off. Okay. And if you're still playing, they did a release of final promo code on their Facebook page. Oh, well, too late. <laughs> well, it, yeah. I well, guess it was it'll still unlock probably, right? I suppose should. if you I suppose if, if you I, I think you have 2 weeks to okay. unlock it and unlock say, anything else from on the internet that you need. You just can't actually make purchases. It's just purchasing. Okay, yeah. I suppose if you have the latest update too, it'll probably unlock. Yeah. So. <laughs> Wonder if I could get it to update one last time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a nice long run. It came out in 2013. Yeah, yeah, it had some years on it. I think the uh, what's the new one called? I forget every time. Infinity. Infinity. I just think, I think they're right. I think they did run into some strife from fans of Legacy when they, you know, did the transition to Infinity. And I just don't think I, I don't know because I haven't been following Infinity. But I mean, I wasn't a fan of it myself. Yeah, me I felt like I felt like there wasn't enough change. There, it it, it added what I didn't like about legacy, which was all of the info scenes and, you know, the storytelling, which I, I didn't mind a little bit of it. Like they did the first, but it just seemed to kind of get too story intensive. And I think that they took that to another level with infinity. And so to me, that's what the big turnoff was. They didn't change enough for the core game and they added what I didn't like about that was, you know, getting heavy in legacy. Yeah. that's was my complaint with it too. Uh, in other news, Real Time has announced a new feature film that's going to be coming out called Sill and the Devil Seeds of Orador. And yes, Cr- it is. Crickets. <laughs> Crickets. Is Nobody Nebil, says anything. Bill Shaban returning to play Sill. Oh, good. And the script is written by Sill's creator, Philip Martin. So it's going to be an hour long uh, movie. Oh, very good. Well, yeah. you know, they certainly been off content. Yeah, it's, you know, the uh, what is it? Uh, 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 downtime is theirs. Uh, I think they also did. Um, what was the demons one that they just recently released? That's a uh, connects or a quasi unofficial sequel to the demons. Demons of something. Yeah. yeah anyway, they, they you know, they did those in the 90s, but they re-released it on DVD. And I think they've had some success with them. So I think that's probably what has spurred. Uh, them coming back and doing another film. So I'm kind of, I'm glad for them. I'm, I, uh, I look forward to uh, maybe seeing that put into my collection. Yeah, I wonder if they had to clear that with, you know, BBC or talk to the showrunners. It's like, do you have any plans to go back and, and feature this villain anytime soon? Or they just kind of looked at him and went, no. <laughs> no, well, I, I, the intellectual property works so different there. It's kind of yeah. like, because Philip Martin created the character he has the rights to the character so he should be able to do what he wants all right what they won't be able to do right what they won't 
what they won't be able to do is use, you know, trademark things like TARDIS, Doctor Who, those kind of things. Anything outside of that, like they've done with downtime and uh, is it Demons of Devil's Sand? I don't know what it's called. Uh, that the other film, and and they have done some other films in the past as well. What they'll do is they will they will jump in there and they will make sure that all of you know any references to the Doctor Who proper is excised, and they will stay with, as Keith said, the intellectual property of the author. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for them. I, I, yeah. I guess I look forward to another soul adventure. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as Sill's still the bad guy, not the good guy. Well, he's the a weird. I think Ooh, he's the protagonist. It, so maybe, maybe yeah, they, maybe so they pull the boomtown on us. I think if they, uh, <laughs> I think if they do it clever enough, maybe. I mean, Sill has always been sort of that bad guy that you kind of like you know he's yeah. he's he's a bit smarmy but he's never really super devious maybe devious is the wrong word he's he his he's not uh malignant i think maybe is is what i'm looking for maleficent maleficent yeah he's not maleficent <laughs> definitely not that <laughs> yeah. well that's it news we'll put it on the schedule yeah, coming, coming in 2023. Get one of the. <laughs> it's going to be limited to 1,000 copies. So Sean, you better hop on there and order it on November the fourth. Oh, oh, is it? Uh, will be available in Blu-ray. It's that far out. Yeah. Okay. November the fourth of which year? <laughs> this year. <laughs> of this year. Yeah. I'm actually kind of shocked that they're that far along with it already. Well, they probably did doing a lot behind the scenes already, yeah. I wonder if they updated his makeup. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's move on to (laughs) feedback. (laughs) Our feedback this week, Jameson sent us some audio. Well, let's give it a listen. Hello, Vortexers. My feedback keeps getting longer. Is that good that I find so much to say about your episodes? Probably. Hopefully, at least. Anyway, Braveheart, Braveheart. This one didn't get nearly as long. I'm only covering episodes 52 and 53 here, plus Side Trip 2. I'm recording this as audio to give you guys a break since my last email was so long. The delay on last episode, I realized that it wasn't planned, allowed me to stick three episodes in a side trip instead of the two episodes I thought I'd get on there into my last feedback. So, I'll skip the replies this time and just do a few episodes to try and keep this brief. Comments, then. Episode 52, The Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. Didn't really care for this story. It was okay, it wasn't awful, it was just kind of meh for me. I didn't care for the wooden king and queen, and the space loggers didn't really grab me. It's just not very memorable. That's it for this episode. Let's move on to episode 53. Do you guys realize how hard it was to wait for this episode and not skip ahead? I'm a big, big Finnish listener and couldn't wait to hear you guys get some of my favorites. But I'm committed to listening to these in order. That way I'm not confused by any references you guys made. So here we go. My comments on your reviews of the first three McGann's from Big Finish. Okay, so Sherlock. Great series. You talk about Mark Gatiss. He has currently, as of the end of 2018, written nine episodes of New Who, two big finish releases, and four novels. 
His TARDIS wiki page has a full breakdown of his Doctor Who-related work. So I get most of my big finish through my local library. Our system has a feature on their website where you can make requests for items outside the collection. While they do purchase some of these requests, most come from other library systems. The library with the biggest collection of big finish audios, at least that I know of, is in Rochester, Minnesota. The other place some have come from is the Hyde Free Park Library in New York State. So, if you guys have any listeners from those two locations or vicinities, then they have places to go to check out Big Finish for free. The Indianapolis Public Library also has a collection of them as well. Before I get to the stories themselves, I thought I'd mention that Star Wars has a few full cast audio dramas, all adaptations, and that Big Finish has ruined them for me. Audiobooks are different, as they only have a single reader who does all the voices. That, I don't seem to mind. So, in the mid-90s, NPR produced audio drama versions of the original trilogy. Some actors from the films returned, Mark Hamill, Billy Dee Williams, Anthony Daniels, while others did not. These I enjoyed, and I listened to them before discovering Big Finish, so that probably helped. There were also a few audio drama adaptations of a handful of Star Wars comics, Dark Empire, Dark Empire 2, and Crimson Empire. All three are good stories that I've read in comic form. I enjoyed Crimson Empire, which has no film characters in major roles. I can't remember if there were any in minor roles or not. At least until the second disc started skipping. Then it was like, come on, and I had to return it. Dark Empire was a different story. It features Han, Luke, and Leia as main characters, and while the story is good, because I'm used to big finish with the original actors, the voices used were too far from the film voices, and as such, took me out of the story and hindered my enjoyment of the audio. So, moving on to the stories you reviewed, let's start with Storm Warning. This is one of my favorite Paul McGann stories, and I've enjoyed most of his. Well, the opening scenes are a bit clunky with him talking to himself, or the TARDIS, whichever you prefer, he grabs you with his energy and joy in the unknown. These early McGanns are much more fun and lighthearted compared to what comes later with series four of the Lucy Miller stories, Dark Eyes and the Time War, where we get a darker, more weary doctor. I like Charlie. She was my first audio companion when I first started listening to Big Finish with Patient Zero, Main Rage 124. Not necessarily the best place to jump in, though I enjoyed it. She shines with the Eighth Doctor for most of her run, and, spoilers, the decision to have her switch Doctors and join the Sixth Doctor was well done and breathed new life into her character. She then went on to do two Doctorless box sets after her run with the Sixth Doctor ended. I've listened to the first, and it was okay. I haven't gotten around to the second one. Okay, to set you straight on Bordazors and Reapers. If I understand it, Bordazors are vulture-like creatures that look like pterosaurs that feed on, the ti- on time energy and crashed or stranded time ships that are stuck in the vortex. Reapers are more closely related to chronovores, see the time monster, and work to sterilize wounds in the time stream. I liked the Triskeli, and the way the Doctor defeated them was well done. In talking about their ship, you question whether it's still the ship or their home planet. I got the impression that they're a nomadic race, and the image I got of the ship, or at least the part where we meet them, is that it's almost an arena, or like the Senate floor in the prequel trilogy in Star Wars. Hopes this helps. 
So you mentioned that this is McGann's first outing as the Doctor. Yes and no. It's the first release, and the first sequentially of this block, but McGann actually recorded Stones of Venice first. On the topic of losing the TARDIS, if you go back and watch through Hartnell's early stories, you'll find that the crew gets separated from it a lot. Dalek invasion of Earth and the Romans spring immediately to mind. So it's not as uncommon as you think. Sort of Orion. I enjoy this one, too. It is, at its core, a nice space under siege story. The ship scenes are creepy and well done. The bazaar was fun, and I'd love to see them bring it back in another story, as it has so much potential as a location. This story is a prequel, or tie-in, to the Cybermen series from Big Finish that I think focuses on the Orion War. I haven't listened to them, so I can't really say much more than that. Too many stories that feature the Doctor to get through first. No? Stones of Venice. A good story. Very atmospheric. And a nice little love story involved. Did not see some of the revelations the first time through. After listening a few more times, they're evident but well-hidden and not in-your-face obvious. I see that I enjoyed it a lot more than you guys did. Maybe it's because I've listened to it several times, albeit none recently, because I remember that I didn't care as much for it the first time. So, maybe it's multiple listenings. And, compared to the next release, this is positively brilliant. However, it's hearing you guys rant that makes your show so worthwhile. You stay clean while being immensely entertaining. Also, you mentioned that it has a very classic series feel. Now, this is coming from memory, but if I remember right, Stones of Venice was originally one of a handful of scripts that was used to try and entice Tom Baker over to Big Finish. It didn't work as Baker didn't join on with Big Finish until 2010, nine years later. Lastly, at least episode-wise, Side Trip 2. Apart from Minuet in Hell, of which the Brig is the only saving grace, I found myself agreeing with the good Doctor on most things. There were a few that I hadn't heard, such as the Dalek Empire and Cybermen ranges, but I'll hold off on specific comments until I reach your coverage of them. Okay, hopefully I can keep this brief. I'm going to give my take on the first season of The New Doctor. First of all, I don't hate The Thirteenth Doctor. I haven't given up on watching new episodes because the Doctor's a woman now and should never have been made a woman and all that. It is what it is. Did I like the new season? I don't know. It had some good episodes. Rosa, Demons of the Punjab, Kerblam, Resolution. None of the others were bad. They, they weren't loving monsters or fear her. They were just kind of there. The Doctor hasn't really solidified with me yet. The companions, apart from Graham, who's awesome, are just kind of there. Ryan got an arc, but it was tied into Graham's. Yaz, who I want to like, is just kind of there. Yes, I think Chibnall's get still getting his footing, but there's nothing that really screams awesome, or that's cool, or wow. And the music, I don't even notice the music. Murray Gold, he had pieces that stood out and that got stuck in your head. I am the Doctor, all the strange, strange creatures, uh, the Dalek music. Those all stick in my head, and I love them. Shepherd's Boy from Heaven Sent, or Hellbent, whichever one it is. Whichever one's the good one. Here, there just aren't. It's there, but it doesn't stick out, especially to someone who isn't focusing on the musical cues. I'll probably have more to say when I've rewatched it more, and when I get to your reviews. But for now, that's my brief take on the season. So, 
I watched the first episode of Tartar Sauce, the one with Andrew Cartmel. I enjoyed it. Tim Harvey's feed was a bit garbled sound-wise and hard to understand at times, but otherwise a good show. Cartmel showed us his vinyl collection, and that reminded me that Big Finish has done a few vinyl releases. Light at the End, their 50th anniversary release, had a vinyl version, now sold out. Chimes of Midnight and Spare Parts each have a vinyl release. They cost $113.48 each on the Big Finish website. And they're a limited run of 500 so when they're sold out, they're sold out. Look through your achievement lists, both of them. I didn't count up my score, but as those were from 2011 and 2012, maybe you should consider releasing a new DLC pack. It's been five, six years. Do you guys watch Honest Trailers on YouTube? I find most of them fun. They have a trailer for Star Trek The Next Generation, and both for Classic and New Who. There's also Honest Trailer commentaries that go behind the scenes. Also, if you or any of your listeners have Spotify, then you can listen to select Big Finish stories through them. These include the first seasons of The Lost Stories, the 8th Doctor Adventures and 4th Doctor Adventure releases, the first 50 main range releases, the full Destiny of the Doctor series, the first two seasons of Companion Chronicles, and others like, uh, I think, Dalek Empire and Cybermen are on there, maybe a few others. But there's commercials in weird places if you have the free version, but otherwise... Nice source of Doctor Who. Another question for you. What is your favorite Dalek story? And, this can be TV, audio, book, comic, etc. Doesn't have to be TV only. Also, same range of materials apply. What is your favorite Cyberman story? And, I want one from each of you. Just to be clear. I'll answer mine and the feedback replies to this feedback, whenever that ends up being. Finally, I'll give the rundown on my favorite incarnation of that renegade we love to hate, the Master. I've enjoyed the Master most of the time. My favorite is Delgado, hands down. He's suave and elegant, and yet he's a joy to watch. He makes a good villain without the over-the-topness of later incarnations. It was a shame when he passed prematurely. After Delgado, I actually really like Sam. He captures the Master's insanity well without the theatrics and cheesiness of Ainley. I really like the Series 3 finale and the end of time. Not that they aren't without their flaws, but I still enjoy them. Peter Pratt was the master in Deadly Assassin, and the same incarnation was replaced by Jeffrey Beavers in Keeper of Trocken. My main encounters with this incarnation have been with Big Finish, with Dust Breeding, and Master. I like what I hear, but he doesn't jump ahead of Delgado or Sim for me. Alex McQueen plays the master for Big Finish versus the 7th and 8th Doctor primarily. He gets a good balance between Delgado and Sim. Missy is somewhere in the middle. I like her take, but she's not a favorite. Jacoby is good, very subdued, which makes him even more of a menace. The first War Doctor box set is excellent, and his appearance in Gallifrey Time War 1 is really good, too. Haven't heard any of his other appearances on audio. Sorry. Ainley is fine, but his over-the-top schemes and his performance are almost pantomime. I don't mind him, he's just too over-the-top and outrageous to be among the true greats. That's what puts him at the bottom for me. Oh, Eric Roberts. He's in there, but with only one appearance in the TV movie, he might be below Ainley. At least until the new River Song comes out with the different incarnations of the Master. Then he might rise. 
forgot about him. So, I think that's it for this one. I'm enjoying the show and looking forward to where you go next. Keep up the good work and good luck. Jamie. Very good. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Good to hear from you this time. Yeah, yeah. It's uh gave us a break so we didn't have to read it out. <laughs> <laughs> We're missing all of our visual cues tonight. <laughs> <laughs> It just dawned on me why this isn't flowing quite. Okay, it's me. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, should we move on to our uh, review? Pay no attention to that podcaster behind the curtain. <laughs> the Eight Truths, London, 2015. The doctor is looking for a lost space probe. Lucy Miller is feeling just plain lost on a world she no longer quite belongs to. Perhaps there's someone who can help. A chance encounter with an old sparring partner leads Lucy to the Eightfold Truth, a bunch of crystal-bearing cranks who reckon a rebel sun is on its way to purge the earth. As if. But what if they're right? The apocalypse is upon us, and as, as humankind counts down the last days of its existence, the Doctor races to unmask the Eightfold Truth, and discover an old and an uncovers an old and deadly enemy. Go ahead, Sean. Bum, bum, bum! <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Both this and World Wide Web. So Glenn cornered me outside your house about two weeks ago, <laughs> and he says, how did you keep a lid on this for eight years? <laughs> and I said, wasn't easy. <laughs> I remember going back in my memory to, well, this was back when we were recording at your apartment, Keith, when you lived at that apartment that was attached to that back of that house. Oh yeah. And uh, I, I remember us going outside Sean and I, and him saying, I can't wait till you get to this story. I can't wait till you see who shows up. I can't wait till you see set all the way back like eight years ago. And he's like, I, you know, this was so good. I can't believe it. I can't wait till we get to this on the schedule. And so for eight years, the guy has had to stay <laughs> tight lipped <laughs> and not divulge any of the information about this story. And to be quite honest with you over the years in my head, I've built it up really big. And thought it must be this big epic. And for some reason, I had in my head that it was going to be a Cyberman story. And I don't know why I thought that. I'm not sure what Sean would have said that I would have glommed on to that. But so I had no idea that we were going to get the return of the eight legs. Ooh, say it again. <laughs> the eight legs. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, this the whole run with McGann is awesome because it's McGann. But it's also awesome because they keep going back to these, you know, kind of one-off villains and going, yeah, we could reuse it. Hey, how about the crinoid? Yeah, let's do another crinoid story. Or, uh, you know, hey, how about Morbius? Well, surely we can bring him back from the dead. Yeah, okay, let's do a Morbius story. What about the eight legs? Yeah, and we'll put him in a story called World Wide Web. 
and nobody will see it coming. What I think is very clever about that is the fact that World Wide Web, the first thing I think of is, maybe this is why I thought it was going to be Cyberman. I think of technology. I think of, you know, the the data that's sent across the world. You don't think of a physical web, like a spider's web. Yeah. And so I think that's what impressed me the most about it is the fact that suddenly, you know, we're uh, listening to this story about the <laughs> spiders, basically. We don't call them spiders because they don't like that. But we're listening to spiders and they it's the eight legs. I mean, it's, it's not just some common household spiders. It's not the spiders that we got in, uh, you know, arachnids of the UK. It's, it's the eight legs. They went there and I thought, wow, this is so clever. It was just, yeah, it's just amazingly, uh, on point with how it was, you know, they pulled the rug out from under me and it does it so deceptively because the, the, the first episode is very kind of, I don't know, almost run of the mill in a way that we've, we've got Lucy and then all of a sudden there's this cult and they're brainwashing people and you're kind of like, oh, okay, we've, we've kind of been down that road before, but you know, she'll sort it out because it's Lucy and then she falls for it and you just, you're like, whoa, what is the deal? And then you're kind of like, well, the doctor will sort it out, but he's really absorbed with this space probe and you're kind of like, okay, anytime now. Anytime now, when you, when are you going to, oh, dude, when are you going to fix this? And then the reveal happens that it's the eight legs and it, it just all of a sudden becomes this whole different ball of wax. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it was, it's just, I was, I mean, my jaw was on the floor <laughs> when, when that happened and you know, like I said, worldwide, it's, it's, it's the best title of a doctor who episode yeah. ever yeah. because even if you didn't go with technology, even if maybe you went another direction with it, I'd have gone Yeti before right, right. I'd have gone before I'd have gone spiders. There's oh yeah, no absolutely. Way I'd have thought of that. No, it, it's so far out there because it's a. I, I don't think. I mean, they're, they've probably returned in some of the novels that we haven't read yet, but I just it, it is so far out there because we hadn't done anything with that in any of the big finish that we'd experienced so far. They have not returned on television. Uh, you know, we've made reference to them. We made reference to them when we watched Arachnids. But, you know, just to bring them back. And the cool thing about it is the trappings, the, the, the surroundings of it are perfect for it. In fact, we should have, we should have suspected it just based on the fact that we've got this cult, you know, that is, uh, for all intents and purposes, brainwashing its members that are joining. Um, it has figured out a way to, you know, infiltrate Lucy, or not infiltrate her, but to, to, to draw her in, in a, in a way. And they even make reference to the crystals. I still wasn't tipped off when they talked, when they, when they had her hold the crystal that was yeah. actually causing the influence. Well, because still, cults are all about new age. And absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. <laughs> this is crazy. It, it's, it's, it's so good. Um, it has some issues with it. I think uh, one of the things that I pointed to when you and I chatted about it offline was the, uh, Headhunter. I like the fact that they gave the headhunter uh, some resolution. I like the fact that she's involved in this, and still, it's a business decision. You know, it's just business as usual for her. But 
there at the end of World Wide Web, when, well, near the end of World Wide Web, when she's kind of the one that's a, a, a integral part in dispatching the eight legs, I kind of wanted it to be a little more grand. I wanted it to be more of a a bigger effort to kind of maybe vindicate her for what she's done. And I think you had a, a pretty good argument for the reason why they didn't do that or reason why they didn't need to do that. But I think I wanted just a little bit more, especially since she had done all of these awful things. And and if you look at it, they're kind of benign awful. They're not, I mean, she really was, and she always made it uh, a point that, you know, sh- they were, uh, you know, it's business as usual for her. That's her job. That's what she does. But I, I wanted a little bit more, but you kind of, you know, mentioned it didn't necessarily need to be that way. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, for me, the headhunter, she's always been, you know, kind of a great foil uh, in in this series and uh, a definite pain in the tuchus. Um, And she's very much, you know, her standard MO. She's here. She's working with a more powerful enemy doing the kind of the, 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 the leg work. And then when it comes, you know, push comes to shove, she gets turned on. And in what I thought was just the most incredible way of going out, <laughs> you know, that uh, the, the, the psychic energy that she chooses to have them, you know, turn it on herself to try and regain her freedom was just like, wow, that's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, and, and, and the, the power of will that that would take. And if the doctor did it, we'd be going, oh yeah, he can do it. And she does it. And all, it almost works. It almost becomes a, you know, a a breakthrough. And you you mentioned that you wanted that salvation moment. And I I don't necessarily see it as salvation. I see it as, you know, it's self-preservation. She wasn't really going to, you know, oh, this will free everybody. She was doing it because she didn't want to be caught in that way. Right. There was still a but, bit of selfishness to it. You're absolutely right. And when the push came to shove, she realized, oh, this is now affecting me. So, but, um, you know, I, I was okay with it. I, in, in some ways, I almost think after everything she's done and all the people that she's uh, hunted, that uh, you know, maybe we'd have been, you know, maybe it needed to be a little more oomph. Maybe there needed to be a, a you know, maybe she needed to be eaten. Yeah, by a yeah. spider, you know something, something truly terrible. But I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was, I thought it was going to okay send off. <laughs> I think Lucy really gets a chance to shine here. I like the fact that she's the one that's taken over. Um, I like the fact that uh, yeah, what was the um, journalist's name that he was? I, I cannot for the life of me remember her name. The, the journalist gal that was helping them out. I, I felt a little bad, especially when she's such an Karen. Intro- no, the Karen's the, uh, the, uh, the headhunter. Oh, Karen's the, yeah, the returning gal. Um, Kelly, maybe? Maybe it was Kelly. Anyway, uh, well, then that was the other thing is I, every once in a while, I think it was Kelly, because every once in a while I would get Kelly and Karen mixed up when yeah. they would start talking it on. And I, it, it took me a little while to go, oh, wait, okay, this is this character, not this character. Um, but I think, what I really liked is the fact that, uh, you know, I, I felt bad that Kelly ends up spoilers biting it. Uh, and when she ends up going to the place of let's quote unquote heaven, um, <laughs> uh, I, I had really hoped that the doctor would have been able to figure out a way to bring her back. Um, but 
fortunately, because of the circumstance that Lucy was in, he was able to pluck her consciousness back out. So I liked that. Uh, but the fact that Lucy is, is, I mean, she's come a long way since starting to travel with the doctor and it, her to be able to kind of, um, what am I looking for? Uh, keep a bit of herself and not could be completely overtaken. I thought that was very, very cleverly done. And once again, it was, there were many worry moments in this one where as, as things were going on and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, so Lucy's been brainwashed. Okay. So she's been taken over. Okay. So now she's got a giant spider in her <laughs> and now she's dead. One thing after another. Okay. <laughs> Just, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this might be the one. I had several of those thoughts while going through it. <laughs> We've been kind of dominating the conversation, Keith. What do you think? I really enjoyed it. I, there really, I don't have any complaints about the story. I did not. I like the small, subtle references to the fact that they were the eight legs, and I didn't really pick up on it until it was the big revelation. the The fact that they had the crystals and the eightfold truths and all of this little stuff. I'm just going along. Oh, I wonder what it could be. And then we bam. totally, we t- totally should have seen it coming. So when they're able to do oh, something yeah. like that, it's like, wow, very clearly done. And I, I like the idea that they're trying to, the new queen wants to be a new great one and wants to, you know, take over, not over the earth, but the cosmos. And I yeah. thought they, they further the mythos of eight legs. Fantastic. Uh, they do such a good job with that aspect of it. And then all, again, all the uh, stuff with Lucy is great. And the doctor is of course, phenomenal throughout all of it. And the supporting cast I thought was great too. I really liked Karen, I wound up liking more than I thought I would. And then um, the other two, Kelly and the scientist guy, which whose name I could never quite catch. Dr. Sangakara, I believe is what. Yeah. He sounded almost like somebody that we just had not too long ago, but I knew that wasn't the same actor. Um, right, right. Yeah. Uh, what was that? The guy from yeah. Game of Thrones. Oh, what was that story that he was in? And he was very, very similar. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But I, I enjoyed him and the fact that the, I, I really liked that once it got to the far enough that the doctor, everyone's, you know, under the influence of them and they're trying, trying to be, oh, we need to save this person now. And the doctor's like, I can't save everybody. We got a bigger fish to fry. And then I right. physically can't save everybody because I mentally can't handle that. I need to go take a nap. I like that they didn't make the doctor a full out superhuman who can go in and just fix everything right away. Right. Right. The the struggle I thought was really good in it too. I like the fact that the, the scientist guy, uh, Dr. Sangri Kara, I just wanted to say it one more name, one more time. (laughs) Um, I, I really like that. He's so like even keel. He's like the doctor steps in and says, Hey, you know, have you tried this? Have you tried this? And he's very much, um, yeah, no, that's a good idea. You know, and just so, so even kill. And he's just, he makes him such a lovable character because he's just so, he's so accepting of everything that the doctor's saying, and he's just going to go and buy it. He ends up being the one that kind of, you know, helps when the doctor ends up being coming overcome. And, and I think he blacked out or passed out and he ends up taking him to the hospital. But even better is the fact that when the whole world is suddenly becoming succumbed to the great one and He's he doesn't it doesn't miss a beat. He's still the same guy. He still has the same, you know, mannerisms. And you you almost feel like, oh, he hasn't been taken over by this until they kind of drop <laughs> the, the other shoe. And you're like, oh, 
he has been taken over, but <laughs> he's so even keel that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really, it affects him, but it doesn't, you know, and, and, and luckily the doctor's able to kind of bring him back a lot, you know, very quickly. And I think yeah. I chalked it up to the fact that the guy's so smart, but I thought, I just thought that was really well done. I also like Goodman, uh, the, the guy kind of behind the Eightfold Truth and how he was so despicable at first and then it turned into this, you know, <laughs> he admits what was going on and then not realizing what was really happening. Uh, I like his growth as a character. Well, the first time that they call him and they tell him that they've found the chosen one and I was, he was, he says like, are you sure? Can you make sure so-and-so hears this, you know, first have, have her interview? Because <laughs> And you can kind of tell that he's kind of taken by surprise as well. And that's what made me kind of wonder if he wasn't fully on board with what this was and maybe he was a bit of a con man. But I, oh, I kind of yeah. set, set it aside and then later to, for him to kind of divulge that, that, you know, this was something that, you know, I just kind of came up with. It wasn't. It, there was no actual great one. There's, it was just to find that out later. It was like, it was, it was very reassuring that, okay, I did have this figured out, but you did it well enough that I wasn't like, Oh, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. I, I thought the first half really first three quarters of this, uh, the first episode really had a torchwood feel to it. Yeah. Uh, especially with the conspiracy. It very much felt very uh, along the same lines. I and I liked it. I liked that aspect of it. Yeah. And then it just goes kind of nuts once the the eight legs finally show themselves. <laughs> I also enjoy the fact that at the at the, the heart of the problem is that damn stellar manipulator showing yeah. back up again. It's like, right. oh, why is this thing still a thing? Why are we still dealing with this? And it just it was like, oh, you know, I, I love the idea that these 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 just these tools. Because that's all they are to the Time Lords. It's just a tool. Yep. It's a hammer. You know? <laughs> and they're floating around the universe being picked up by unscrupulous beings to perform all kinds of other things. And the yeah. Doctor's still dealing with it. <laughs> yeah. He's playing cleanup. One of my favorite bits in the whole thing is <laughs> the Doctor and Kelly, I think it was, uh, discussing the pronunciation of metabilis (laughs) (laughs) that was a wonderful tongue-in-cheek moment yeah which was this recorded after matt smith had had goofed it up in the series is that why they did i wondered if maybe that was the reason i think it's because it's inconsistencies isn't wasn't it inconsistently pronounced throughout pertwee's run uh, I don't recall that. I know for sure that Matt Smith said it wrong and everybody kind of came down on the fact that, no, that's not how, I don't remember how he said it, but he said it incorrectly. And I think he said to be Yeah. Something like that. And everybody came down on it really big time on the, on the message boards. And so I had wondered if maybe this was because of that, but I suppose if this had was recorded before that, maybe that is the case, maybe because of the inconsistency of the Pertwee era. This was recorded uh october 2008 and released june 2009 so long before yeah let's see it would have been um death of the doctor the sarah jane adventure i believe is where he mentions metabilius and says it wrong no it's um hide oh it is hide yeah you're right it is hide so that would have been yeah that would have been later yeah 
I don't remember what year, but the 2013, according to a quick Google search. But funny how it kind of, how do you say, instead of retroactive, kind of forward, actively (laughs) fixes the way that he says it. Such a, the story is just such a clever way to reuse a villain i never thought we would revisit yeah absolutely <laughs> and then and then once it was revealed and it happened i thought how has this not been done before <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's i mean it's to look back at everything that at least we're familiar with and we've done and for them not to have resurfaced and then resurfaced now i just think is brilliant yeah i didn't even pick up on the radiation poisoning that the doctor refers to because that's when, because the, the poof of stuff in his face, wasn't that supposed to be radiation that would have killed him? Yes. And yes. that, in fact, that's what, does, what happened that's what for does. the third. Even yeah. That's then, what does in the third doctor. Even that didn't tip me off. That it was the eight legs. <laughs> yeah. I, I was the same way. I, none of the, none of the clues that were obvious there were obvious until the reveal. And I think that was so well done. Now, who, who's responsible for this masterpiece? I didn't look at that's, the writer. Huh? That's right. Let's shed Eddie, some Eddie more Robson. praise on my man, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> who is it? Eddie, Eddie Robson. Robson. Oh, Eddie Robson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you are a fan. <laughs> he does good work. Can't off the top of my head think. Well, he did the little drummer boy that we just reviewed, right? He did, yeah. Yeah. He also did yeah. uh human resources and Grand Theft Cosmos. Yeah, I knew he yeah, I knew he had done one. some of the eighth doctor. I just was I was wondering if there was anything uh, outside of Eighth Doctor that we had listened uh, to. Uh, memory lane, ID and urgent calls. Okay, yeah. And we really liked urgent calls. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He did um I remember thinking. I don't. We haven't. Okay. I think Glenn's listened to it. The Five Companions. Yes, I have. Yep. That's one of his as well. Okay. We've right. not reviewed that one yet, but I think he's a he's a clever writer. He's he's able to kind of um, he he's a bit Moffat esque, although he doesn't overcomplicate plots. He's very Moffat esque in the sense that he's able to kind of you know I, I want to call it what do they call it three card Monty you know you're looking at this card while he's mm-hmm. changing this card and then yeah. he reveals the card that it actually is and it's like wow I didn't expect you to go there so and he's not all of his stories are fantastic but when he lands them he really lands them oh yeah absolutely. and this is an instance where he really lands it no absolutely cool anything else about these two stories that uh... I know you, you mentioned uh, when we were talking outside, Glenn, that you kind of had a, a, a moment where you were a, a little saddened that they had stolen the uh, death in heaven bit with yeah, yeah. the uploading oh, yeah. of, the, of the mines and then had to go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, though that was that would have been totally after this story. And that's where my head went is it it, it, it reminded me very much of the, the the matrix that they have in death in heaven where they're uploading the the consciousness of, of the humans so that they can then seed the earth uh, of the uh, uh, Cybermen later. And yeah, I, I completely went there and I, th- I did, I thought that I thought, Oh, they kind of stole that. No, he didn't steal that idea. It's, it's actually, if you're going to blame anybody for stealing, it's the new writers that stole. Yeah. The story. It's Moffat that stole the story or started the idea, not the story, but the idea. 
the further we get into uh you know big finish older big finish stuff that i start to realize moffat kind of snatched quite a few ideas for his stories well, I used to wonder how much he was in tune with the big finish stuff until Night of the Doctor, when he actually name drops the, the companions. Yeah. And it was at that point that I went, aha, this guy actually follows along with the big finish stuff, too. So now I'm more inclined to think that he did farm some ideas from already previously <laughs> released well, materials. I mean, it's not that big of a jump, even without this. Because, you know, the Matrix from Deadly Assassin, don't they talk about how all Time Lords get uploaded to the Matrix? Yeah. In fact, so it's they, just they, recalibrating it for anybody instead of just Time Lords. So, I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a logical assumption to make that you, this would visit or show up several times elsewhere. Yeah. And, and I'm not that far into it yet, but I know that the uh, Virgin New Adventures also have, have dealt with that those concepts and the, the, the reason why, you know, because of the stories what do you be the sterility of the time lords that they have to be you know grown on looms it also lends to the the afterlife idea of uploading uh, consciousness into the matrix and they kind of delve into that in the new in the uh, new adventure virgin new adventure stuff too so uh, he he obviously had i mean he wrote a virgin new adventure novel so he obviously had some familiarity there too so he's not necessarily lifting everything from big finish he's also you know got a wealth of background that he's also probably farming from yeah or was from. i say like he's still the showrunner or something <laughs> you know great great artists steal <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right good, good artists uh create great artists steal no, just top to bottom, I, I couldn't have been more pleased with this one. And um, I, you know, again, as usual, fantastic performances all around. Paul McGann is, yeah. um, and um, Sheridan Smith were just, just outstanding. And um, so many little moments that worked. I loved that when uh, when Lucy's inside the the TARDIS database <laughs> and kind of giggling along with the ship, and he's like, "What? Yeah. Nothing." <laughs> 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 she's divulging some secrets <laughs> i'm a little sad that we only have one more it's only one more season with lucy isn't it yes and that we're almost done with uh and, these eighth doctor stories and i haven't looked too far ahead but um things get a little crazy in the next series i believe like divergent crazy no not divergent <laughs> crazy but lucy's storyline crazy i think Ah, uh, okay it's never divergent crazy no nothing's divergent crazy thankfully <laughs> not even divergent is divergent crazy all right sean what we got come up on the show? well uh next week you are in for a real treat <laughs> i see what you did there we, we are gonna have a real time on the show just <laughs> let me say that uh, because we'll be watching, or well, we will have already watched, hopefully, real time. Yeah. And we will be listening to real time, and then we will be discussing real time in, in real, real time. time. <laughs> <laughs> the conclusion of that conversation may not happen in real time. Note to self. <laughs> Depends on how much editing I do. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> beyond that, uh, the schedule is still kind of in a state of flux. I'm putting the finishing touches on it. I didn't get it uh, quite as done as i would have liked well to be fair we had a state of done it's just not done (laughs) to be fair we we had some plans and then we kind of reevaluated those plans and that kind of jostled things up for you so we'll forgive you you know (laughs) 
there was a plan. It wasn't a particularly good plan. I threw it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, don't forget, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can uh, contact or you can listen to us on uh, Google Play. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FN. And uh, be sure to you consider becoming a patron our patron of our podcast by supporting us on Patreon. And those of us that already, those of you that already support us, we're not supporting ourselves. Well, we are, but not, yeah, we support ourselves a lot more. Not very well. well, (laughs) A lot more than we wish we didn't have to. So that's why we count on our Patreon subscribers. Uh, And we are uh, continually looking into uh, ways to uh, give you just a little bit more. If you are a subscriber to say, thank you. Uh, Keith, how can they contact us if uh, they want to send feedback? Uh, you can send it to feedback at Traveling the Vortex, or you can hop on any form of social media. Uh, we are everywhere. Sean, where else can they find us? Maybe uh, they can see our smiling faces. Well, they can see our smiling faces occasionally on our YouTube channel when we upload something to it. And we can also be found on sci-fi4me.com on a uh, little show that we're doing called Dartus Sauce, uh, which is uh, very similar to the show that you're listening to, only there's moving pictures. (laughs) You You can can see see our mugs. Right. (laughs) We have mugs? We should. We should have Traveling the Vortex mugs. mugs. I mean, if we're going to be in video, we might as well, like, plug the Petcod podcast, right? (gasps) Can we we have disappearing Tardis mugs? I've got one of those. I want to take the traveling the vortex one. Yeah, I don't. It should be a disappearing disappearing traveling vortex. vortex. (laughs) I'll look into that. (laughs) It should be a a disappearing traveling the vortex TARDIS mug. There you go. There you go. Yes. All right. Well, if that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. I'm surprised you got through that, Sean, not having knowing where we're sitting right now. I was waiting for you to point to me. (laughs) (laughs) You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.